Hello and welcome to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Segal, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Michael Quimbach, Group CEO and President at Corden Pharma. Michael has been in the contract services space for over 20 years. He joined Corden Pharma in October 2014, holding positions firstly as Vice President of Sales and Marketing and then Chief Business Officer before becoming Chief Executive Officer and President in the summer of 2019. Prior to joining Corden Pharma, he held positions of increasing responsibility at AMRI, Solvius, Dr. Reddy's and Siegfried. Not a bad resume at all. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rahman, for the kind introduction. No pleasure worries. to be here. Yeah, pleasure to have you on the show and thank you for making, making the time because I know you're a very, <laughs> very busy man. So, so just, to, just to start off with, it would be great if you can tell the listeners a little bit about you uh, and your role and, and, of course, Corden Pharma as well. Yes, sure. So maybe just a bit uh, about my background. I'm a PhD organic chemist, graduated from... At that time, it was called Max Planck Research Group of Asymmetric Catalysis in, in Rostock. And after that, I decided to move to the U.S., did a postdoc at University of Colorado and University of Pennsylvania for one and a half year at Professor Molender's group. And after that, I was ready actually to join the industry and that gives the great opportunity to start as a senior scientist in the contract development manufacturing organization at that time called or still called AMRI. Mm -hmm. And I stayed there for some time and then later moved back to Europe and moved then to Switzerland. And from there on, I had positions as a project manager, sales manager, product manager, head of sales in various organizations. Raman, you already mentioned. I moved around quite a lot, but also gave me a lot of insights actually in the CDMO space and uh, what's happening and today CEO of Corden Pharma company I joined five years ago and at that time five years ago in October 2014 uh, ICRG had approached me this is our parent company International Chemical Investors Group to set up from scratch a marketing sales organization which serve the whole network. I think we or when we talk a bit about corn pharma, initially ICRG had acquired these assets from big pharma, of course, with a primary goal to, to revive these assets to, to make out of them standalone contract development manufacturing organization. And I thought this sounds very exciting, and I took the opportunity. And over the years, I think we have built a fantastic team and now build our, our, our reputation in the industry as a credible supplier. And just, just for context for, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about the kind of size and scale of, of Cordon Pharma. Today, Cordon Pharma has around 1,800 employees, 440 million euros sales, and has nine plants. We are active in... Um, API manufacturing and drug product manufacturing. And I think with that, we're actually uniquely positioned in providing integrated supply solutions to our customers, which are biotech, mid-sized, large pharma companies. In particular, if you look, Corn Pharma has decided to focus on four key platforms. That's the way we actually have structured our business. 
first thing is small molecules, bread and butter donuts. Then peptides, I think we are, we consider ourselves number three in the market. Then we work closely with our injectables platform where we offer injectables, aseptic fill and finished and terminal sterilized. And finally, high potent oncology. Also platform where we see huge interest demand today. Again, we can provide full service offering API and drug product manufacturing. Great, and I have to, I have to ask the question, what, what is it like to oversee nearly 2000 people? <laughs> yeah, I think this is a, a fantastic uh, opportunity and also the trust the shareholders have given me and has been really fun, I have to say, in, uh, in building these teams so that we start working together. Initially, five years ago, I think we were all a bit like all these plants a bit scattered around. But I think um, over the years, we really put a really great team together. How are we going to work together uh, and, and provide these contract development manufacturing solutions to our customers? It, it is a really fantastic journey also as um, a lot of these sites came, was it a different background? They came from Big Pharma. And now, of course, they all had to also a bit adapt to the pretty different fast-paced environment in the CDMO area. But I think this has been fun for everyone in, uh, so far, I would say. And, and just that, on, that, on that point there, I think that's really interesting what you mentioned there, Michael, around uh, kind of adapting from a one mentality to a CDMO mentality. And, and how, how have you managed to facilitate that mentality change from a, a big farmer uh, kind of in-house mentality to being a service provider and being customer orientated. How, what does that journey look like? Just for, I just find it a very interesting subject. Yes, I think um, you really had to, of course, tell the story to the people, what we are contributing, what is our new role and how everybody's gonna contribute. Um, and that's of course, is very different to in the past. So here we are really, um, we are not longer a cost center, how it was a big farmer. These are not profit centers. And there you really have to, of course, introduce a mindset where people really like to have um, changes where they have a lot of different um, exposure to different projects, products. And, but they can also, in our environment, really uh, contribute to our success. Mm -hmm. What it means also is that um, we offer a lot of opportunities for our people. I would say that, I mean, you maybe start as a chemist, as I did at AMRI at that time, but then if you really later see you want to be more, have more customer interaction and you like the service mentality, then we can, could offer you to move into project management or you, we can offer you to move maybe in sales or having even other opportunities. But I think we need to be really way more agile and really, of course, need to work with the people and, and show them all the opportunities, which is maybe in some larger organization might be probably a little more difficult. And I think this is what we also have been trying to tell everyone. Um, we're looking for people who really want to contribute and make an impact. I love that. I think it's a, it's a really interesting, interesting point. And one, one thing you mentioned is you, you originally joined Corden in sales and marketing. And I, I always take great pleasure in seeing people in, in marketing roles ultimately you know rise to the to the top of a business and um 
obviously given I'm a marketing man, it, it fills me with joy. So I'm just interested to know what the experience in doing that kind of senior sales and marketing role, how is that a kind of better equipped your position now as, as the CEO and president at, at the business? Yeah. So I think I've been long time in, in, in the sales marketing position, but also I've been a bench chemist, but I know, I understand uh, much better, I would say, what our customers really looking for. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a contract business. We're working for customers and we really have to take care of our customers and have to make sure that we deliver. That's, I mean, without any customers, we have no business. We have no product. Our customers are absolutely key. And I think having also a good insight of the market, what is required, that also sets up and how my team to really look what is the next step, what we should be doing, what, is, what are the, our customers looking for, and that we really are close to our customers, I think is absolutely key in this business. Really, really interesting point. Thank you. And one thing I wanted to also touch on was when, when looking at your kind of career history and uh, in, the, in how you've, uh, the journey of, of, of your career, I also noticed your kind of educational path and you seem someone seem to be someone that really values education given you've obviously had the opportunity to study in, in the US and I believe the UK, uh, you did an yeah. MBA and I also read recently you also did a, an advanced kind of management degree as well. So talk to us a little bit about your interest, presumably in education, but what where that drive comes from i you know i see a lot of people in business that you know once they start in their careers it's all about the job <laughs> it's all about the career and don't necessarily think of the uh, the the need to do that continuous education piece so it'd be really interesting to find out more about kind of your thoughts uh, and yeah. and kind of reasons for doing that look i first of course i described at the beginning i had a very I would say classical standard way. I just studied chemistry, did a PhD. But even at that time, Ori, when I, I decided to actually don't do my PhD in my former university, I took another challenge and went at that time to Rostock. It was a former East Germany. And, and really thought this is going something new. And that also will probably give me a completely different view about the whole situation at that time, East and West Germany. So I always have been open-minded and, and trying to, to continue to learn and also kind of like improve my leadership skills, my knowledge, but also what is around and, and, and looking for, for new ideas. It was the same when I had the opportunity then as a postdoc to move to the US and again, great opportunity to work on at that time, very innovative research. And I always liked doing this. And as you rightly said, then also while I was, um, I already had a job, I, I did an MBA from the Southern University. And because I, I thought like, okay, I have a very good chemistry background, but I think I want to develop myself further. I want to also have a, get a better business background because I thought it's a good combination. Luckily then last year, you rightly pointed out, I've given the great opportunity. Um, I think the, the shareholder thought um, it would be great for me, and I'd ask them. I attended the um, Wharton AMP program and advanced management program for five weeks, and that was a fantastic experience, uh, being with a completely different 
team together of, at that time, 35 people from very different countries, from very different industry, and preparing yourself for a very senior leadership role. Mm -hmm. And I think I always like to also not looking at my own industry, but also trying to learn from other industry and where we maybe can yeah, get some new insights, new ideas. And so I think it's, I couldn't continue to also always read other management books, or I think this is extremely important to stay on top of what, what, what's happening and, um, and continue to, to learn. I, I admire that uh, greatly. I'm a, I'm a big believer in kind of continuous education and improvement. So it's fascinating to see someone in, in your position uh, with a very similar uh, mindset. And would you say that continuous education piece has really contributed towards your career success and, and where you've been able to go within your career? Yes, absolutely. I think it's uh, being on one hand open-minded, uh, looking also continuous education improvement, but then also having, for me, I, I have a clear direction. I, I'm, I'm having, of course, certain things in my mind which I want to accomplish. So mm -hmm. you also need to be straight. And, and, and I think I always have been pretty clear what I want to accomplish for myself. And um, you have to set yourself realistic targets, objectives. You not always meet them, but I think you, it's a very also important that you have in this position and also before the objectives. And do you set yourself kind of personal goals and, and that type of thing at the start of every year? I'm just kind of intrigued to know <laughs> the secret of your success. <laughs> yes. No, I do. Look, I, um, I, I really say like, so what, there are multiple things you can think about. On one hand, of course, what do I want to accomplish? In my, in my current career, of course, some parts are maybe also given by the shareholders, but I have a lot of freedom, I have to say, <laughs> also to bring the organization to the next level. But you have to pick your bets, and I have to pick those. And I'm trying to, to write this down. And um, then, of course, everyone maybe has some personal um, objectives. So I also started saying, like, maybe I should really aim now to run a half a marathon. Um, <laughs> let's try this year. And now every day, now I'm going running and see, um, let's see if I make it by the end of the year. <laughs> I think it keeps you fit and you, you need to set yourself some, some targets, challenges. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. And um, as, a, as a kind of a runner myself, I, I fully appreciate the value in having some ambitious targets to set and they kind of keep you keep you focused on the reason why <laughs> it's hard to get out of bed otherwise unless you've got a specific target in mind and, and you mentioned before around uh, reading kind of leadership books and management books and and also just running there are there are there any kind of daily or weekly habits or rituals or routines that are just part of part of your uh, makeup that kind of contribute towards kind of bigger picture things yeah so I get up generally very early, so my colleagues know that. I generally get up at around five o'clock. Mm -hmm. I go running at 5.30. And then after that, I sit down and try to read half an hour, just something which is not work-related. Just some, some literature, some things I always want to read. And then if I have time, if I'm not tired, then in the evenings I would read um, some other books maybe not too much but really like which kind of like gives me a new perspective that's what has been my my way of working so far 
I admire that very much. I uh, am a big believer in having a morning routine and I don't quite get up at five o'clock, but before six o'clock is normally my goal on a daily basis. And similar to yourself, Michael, you know, do some exercise. Uh, I write a, I write a journal actually on a, on a morning and then I always take time to read. And uh, that's been a habit of mine for, for several years now. And I have to say has been key to some of the fortunate, fortunate success that I've had in my career as well. So it's uh, it's interesting to hear someone in your position having similar uh, habits. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector, the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. We've touched on leadership a couple of times and, you know, and I, and I can't, I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to, to manage a business with 1800 people. But so what piece of advice would you give to kind of younger people deliver, sorry, developing um, their careers in, in the kind of contract services space, whether they be, um, you know, at the pharmaceutical side or within biotech or, you know, within the kind of vendor space as well. So any kind of leadership tips that you've got for, for those people? Yeah. Uh, first, I think it starts, um, everyone who enters the contract space, they, they should be really clear that they want to work in the contract space. And uh, I think because it's, it's very diff- different to working in a big pharma or a larger fine chemical company, because you need to have the service mentality. You need to have uh, certain resilience. You need to be able to to deliver against tough timelines. You need to be very flexible because customers are changing their requests or you might also have setbacks which you have to then compensate. So you need to be a person who likes to have challenges and who also like to be challenged and who also like to have exposure to broad range of different clients. And if you like that, it gives you tremendous opportunity because you can work for US customers, European customers, customers from Asia. If you are also open, you can learn a lot from these different cultures and how to interact with them. And I think, but you need to really embrace that. And I think that's maybe not, I've noticed sometimes not for everyone, obviously the case. Uh, Some, some I think really like it and like the change. Some other maybe think like, wow, that's pretty uh, a lot of changes here and well that's uh, maybe not the right position for you no i'm i'm really glad we got your kind of perspective on on that particular topic and that kind of embracing different cultures and i have to say i mean i'm fortunate to work with people all over the world and in the territories that you you mentioned and i i i learned so much from different people in different cultures in the way that they, you know, the way that they treat their staff, the way that they approach meetings, the way that they uh, approach a business development situation. So I, uh, I'm in huge agreement there of, of some of the things that that you said. And how? Let me ask you: How would your best friend describe you in three words? They would describe me as, uh, I think, hardworking, open-minded, and straight to the point. <laughs> presumably that's that's been those characteristics are you know spill into your work life as well i imagine you have to demonstrate those characteristics on a daily basis yes 
<laughs> I mean, you also have to, you have to, re, I mean, trying to be still balanced, but you, you, sometimes you have to also be straight and, and say, like, now that's the way we're going to do it. I'm very, um, like to hear everyone's opinion, perspective. I think this is the only way our company, our group can be successful. But at the end, there might be, somebody has to take the decision. And then I have no problem also straight to the point to make these decisions. And what, what is it that you have to work on that you're not so good at? So we, we've obviously painted a picture of, of an incredibly successful career that you've, that you've built for yourself within a great organization. But I'm curious to know, you know what, what things are you continuously working on to, to get better at? Yes. So I still sometimes can improve my, probably my way of, of listening. I, I also, you know, sometimes when you become very busy and you might come across being maybe a little bit short. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that might sometimes come, come across being too abrupt, too, too harsh. So I think it is very important. And, and I realize this and when we have scheduled a meeting, when, when we have agreed on that we really sit down, take the time listening and um, also giving them the feedback. So I think in this sense, there's always some improvement possible. And that's definitely one point. Yes. <laughs> that's it. Absolutely. And I, it's, it's one that I share, <laughs> share with you, the need to listen. It's something I say to my children all the time when they're talking nonstop. I'll say, you have two ears and one mouth. Use them in that, that proportion. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I just wanted to kind of move and talk about the, the sector that we operate in. And obviously, you've, you've enjoyed... Uh, two decades in the contract services space and and at the time of recording of course we're currently going through the uh, kind of coronavirus pandemic across across the world and so it'd be interesting to get your views on what you're seeing in in the sector uh, both from an opportunistic and from a challenge perspective and obviously Corden Pharma has quite a broad range of capabilities and, and services so it'd be interesting to hear you know how how the business is being impacted, but also uh, the sector at large as well. Yes, very difficult question. I think a lot of uh, um, changes currently happening. But if we just uh, look back how it was, let's say also a few months ago, I think of course it's a growing field, the CDMO space. I mean, we you have lot of biotechs in particular in the US, a lot of innovation coming from the US and some from Europe. So we actually were on a very good uh, growing path and um, I think seeing very strong demand in the CDMO space, in particular for our services. I think we were really touching the right areas. Now, of course, the last few months have been a little bit different. And I think um, it's really, we really have to, when we look at our, uh, what we are doing and, and how the whole thing is, is developing. So on one hand, I can tell you, we're seeing, of course, increasing demand um, for our propofol. We are one of the world's largest manufacturer of propofol from our facility in at Cordon Pharma Caponago. So of course, so that we even have to further hire people to further in increase shifts that we can meet the demand and to, to supply our customers in hospitals. Michael, uh, let me let, let me just pause, let me just pause you there. And do you mind explaining how that how that product 
is actually uh, how, how it's used within within the hospital environment. Yes. So propofol is actually being given to patients which require then external ventilation, which need to be intubated. And okay. of course, as you know, unfortunately, of the uh, COVID-19 crisis, uh, the virus, some patients are in severe conditions and require external ventilation. These patients are then sedated and that's why these hospitals uh, require significant increasing demand of propofol today. And there are some other things like uh, Dexmed. We also manufacture that, but propofol has been the major supply for the hospitals and in, in huge, huge demand. And um, on, so on one hand, you will see increasing demand, unfortunate, for, um, of course, for the patients. Um, on the other hand, we haven't seen so many cancellation of projects. We have seen a few cancellation of because like companies had to postpone their start of new clinical trials. Mm -hmm. As you know, now hospitals are just focusing, have other topics and not, long, not starting any new clinical trials. So I think this can impact us. We also, of course, have seen now in increasing opportunities in supporting certain companies who are working on, on, on vaccines, on, on treatments, and we are involved with some of the companies supporting them. Long term now, over the next um, few months, I think our question is going to be a bit like, you know, how the whole situation is going to evolve. On one hand, we have been relying also on our U.S. customer base. As I was saying earlier on, innovative biotech companies. But I think a lot of these biotech companies are traveling might not be so easy anymore. Mm -hmm. They might more want to outsource in the US. Similar, like European customers maybe only want to outsource now to within Europe. I think there's a few question marks. I think every CDMO probably still is trying to figure out how this whole might change moving mm -hmm. forward. Yeah? Yeah, I think, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Cordon Pharma has facilities in both Europe and, and North America. Yes, we have two, but we, we have uh, only two facilities, two API facilities, both in Boulder. Okay. Yeah. But the rest of the facilities is in, in Europe. And are you expecting, it was interesting what you said there around, you know, the how, say, North American customers look and how European customers look are you expecting a shift towards more localized manufacturing solutions and, and what i mean by that is you know we've we've operated in a very global marketplace for for many years where you know raw materials can come from asia and um, you know product can be distributed in north america and manufactured in europe do you expect to see more of a, a requirement from clients to maybe look locally first or are you not Oh, could that be, you know, maybe phase one before things maybe get back to normal? Yeah, I think that's, at the moment, I would say, I think people would, would look for more local CDMOs. I think the issue is going to be later a little bit, if you look also in the US, there probably is not enough capacity for contract, uh, for contract development manufacturing organizations to accommodate all this business. Uh, as you know, probably... Europe has been quite strong on, on, on the CDMO side. Mm -hmm. So I think on one hand, yes, I think the first phase probably is going to be a little bit like that. And then we would have to see how long it's going to take to, to find maybe a vaccine. And once you're going to move a little bit back to normal. Yeah. 
On the other hand, also when we talk about raw material supply, critical raw material supply, yes, I think there's also opportunities for, um, for Western suppliers and we also see this picking up together with our company called Wildchem, also part of the ICRG family. We're also trying to accommodate some special customer requests. But I think, and I've said this before, you know, there's also will be a price component related to all of that because it will be difficult for a Western company to manufacture this at that price you can get it maybe from China or India. So yeah. and maybe yeah. there's also not enough capacity available in Europe. That's something to be seen, I would say. Yeah, yeah and, and, and final question around COVID. I mean, just, it must be quite satisfying if that's the right word to know that the work Corden Pharma does is actually helping patients right on the front line, going back to what you were talking about in, I think, your Italian site. Um, I, I imagine that gives you um, a sense of gratitude and, and purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Of, um, I mean, just, just objectively, I think, uh, you know, I think we're all very grateful for health workers on the front line. My, you know, my wife's a, a doctor herself, so I kind of I know it firsthand, but I think it must be, it, yeah, it must be really, I'm, I'm interested to know how that feels, just knowing that you, what you guys do, uh, you know, potentially saving lives on the front line. Absolutely. You know, that's also how our people feel at, in particular, also Corn Pharma Caponago, and they're willing to put in extra effort, going the extra mile, because exactly what you described, Rama, that they feel like they really can contribute and they're willing to do that. And I think that gives them also huge satisfaction purpose. But nevertheless, you know, also where our people also feel a um, great sense of purpose is recently, you know, our corn farmer Plankstadt site had an FDA audit, was part of a PAI, and now a very innovative new cancer medication will be launched which will do against breast cancer, which will have helped thousands of women. And I think this is also really where we feel, as the whole team feels really excited that we could contribute, that we developed the process over the years and now really supply the final drug products and tablets to patients on behalf of our customer. I think this is also, so we have a lot of these examples where we actually contribute not only during the COVID-19 crisis and for these patients, but also for other patients. And I think that's the exciting part of, of being a CDMO where we have a lot of different products, projects where you contribute and working on very interesting new products to be launched. Uh, it's, fun, it's fantastic to hear. and. Um... It, it's 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 actually one of the reasons that I decided to start this podcast. Almost that information there of, I think, really celebrating the value of the contract services space and promoting the value of the contract services space of bringing these uh, treatments or helping bring these treatments to market um, and and ultimately supporting patients, whether it's right on our doorstep or family members or, or whatever it might be. So it's uh, it's you know fantastic to hear the work that Corden Farmer is is doing. And and I know you're a very busy man, so I've got a couple of final questions before before I, I let you go. And and tell us what what are the kind of exciting things are, are going on at Corden Farmer? You have you seem to be a very vibrant, dynamic business from, from what I see. So any, any things on the horizon that you're able, able to share? Yeah, we will continue to do further investments in our peptide platform. I mean, I think there's a very 
interesting hot area where we invested our small R&D lab in, in Frankfurt, but also have done recent large investments in Colorado. I think that's very exciting. You know, we, we also continue to um, add um, additional services, uh, manufacturing capabilities on our oncology platform. Um, I think that's really key platform for us and, uh, and also for patients who suffer from cancer. And we will also have decided to, to further strengthen um, our ability to supply this critical medication. And then other things are we um, continue to upgrade and, and further do in, uh, investments in our injectable platform. You know, we already completed a large investment of 25 million in Cordon Pharma Caponago, where we fill aseptic fill and do aseptic fill and finish of innovative new products like peptides, oligos, monoclonal antibodies. So I think all that to, to really brings us all together and uh, continue. That makes us, I think we are, we are excited about um, strengthening that. And never forget, we also want to further grow and uh, looking, continue to look for acquisitions, actually. Ah, very good. Very exciting. <laughs> it's a very buoyant market in the M&A space at the minute. Yeah. So, so it's, uh, it's fascinating to hear that Corden might be involved in that as well. And then final question, Michael, is just, you know, is there, is there any other final comments or requests or asks that you've got of our, of our listener? No, I think we, we, as we probably, everyone could, the listener could, could hear, I think we are really excited um, being in the CDMO space. Are we really excited of serving our customers, excited to contribute, uh, delivering critical medications to patients. And this is really the purpose of, of Cordon Pharma. And um, if we can support any biotech pharma companies, also in the current crisis, with our integrated service, services, we, we are here. And happy to to support anyone. Thank you. That's a great uh, a great message to end on, and I think our listeners will be uh, reassured and inspired to hear not only of your career story, Michael, but the work that Corden is doing to help patients kind of across the world. So thank you so much for for making the time today and for being a guest on Molecule to Market. Thank you, Raman. Has been a pleasure. again thanks so much for tuning in to molecule to market we hope you enjoyed today's episode you can find more shows on spotify apple podcast or wherever you like to listen get in touch with us on our website molecule to marketpod.com and follow us on linkedin or twitter and we will see you again next week Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile and generate leads in life sciences.